0: Hosanna: A fellowship with Christians. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, hey. I even heard the little baby over there. She was pretty good. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for coming and worshiping with us today. Good morning to those online. Thank you for waking up and uh, turning your computer on and being with us this morning. And there's some more people coming in, so we appreciate that. But uh, thanks for coming to worship. Uh, Yeah, we're just going to get started and uh, worship however you can worship. Sing, sit, listen, write, do whatever you need to do to worship for yourself. So uh, thanks for coming today.
1: In our hearts, Lord, in this nation, the true I see you all. Tired still.
0: It's a break for me because it's a very high song. But, you know, we picked this song because it's an anthem to to God, to Jesus. And I just wanted to remind everyone that we praise a Heavenly Father. We praise God. We praise Jesus. We just praise His name. And it's not just not... It's not just the name, but his Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead and sing the verse, uh, verse four. Before we go into that, oh, praise your name. Shall return in robes
1: of white. The blazing sun.
0: Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, if you weren't standing already, please stand in this next song. If you can, if you're able to, because this is an exciting song. We're going to go down to the river right now. All right, here we go.
1: If you can clap your hands, that'd be good. Here we go.
0: Sounds nice, church. I just enjoy doing worship with with everyone, and uh, it's enjoyment for me up here, as much as it is for you to worship. This is my time to worship as well, so I just appreciate it, and uh, that song right there is just enjoyable to do. So if you can continue to stand with this last song, do so. If not, you may be seated. Uh, We appreciate that, but we're going to go into our last song here, and Lord, blessed be your name.
1: If you can keep rhythm, if you can clap with me here. Keep me in time, baby. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, the walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Yes, Lord.
0: for mistakes because I messed up doing that.
2: (laughs) Thank you, worship team. Hey, before you sit down, why don't you say hi to somebody? Get back up again. Get up again. Get back up. Okay, let's try and uh, let's try and find our seats again. Good luck, thank you. We are going to prepare to take up our offering so if our ushers can stop saying hello to everyone and please find your buckets, all right? Hello, hello. Oh yeah, the, by the way, my name's Kevin. Buenos dias, everyone. Um, Welcome, and you online, welcome. Um, Before we take up our offering, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for um, the opportunity that you now give us to give a portion back to you of what you have so richly blessed us with. We pray that these funds would be used to further your kingdom and to spread your love to all those who need it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, ushers, take up that offering Uh, Just a few announcements. In the back, there is a little plastic container called Change for Change. The month of February, the uh, change that's being deposited in that bucket is going to uh, Hadi and Penka's Resurrection Church in Bulgaria. Several times a year, we will collect funds to send to them to help with their Christmas project or any other projects they have going on Um, in that area. Also, today, there's not going to be an adult class because rumor has it there's a potluck dinner. So the adult class did not want to be disrupted with a potluck dinner. So next week, the adult class will be resuming. Uh, Everyone who would like to attend that, uh, the title of that class is Soul Keeping, Caring for the Most Important Part Of you. Sounds pretty heavy. Um, What else? Jared is a little under the weather today still and that means there will be no youth group today. Sorry but you're gonna have to stay in here. That's bad sorry. And now I want to introduce Chris Poget. He has a public service announcement on behalf of Hosanna, Chris, if you could, we have no music to play. I don't think he's going to sing a song. Uh, he is. He, here it is. The chicken dance.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now that's something I would do to you.
4: So good morning, Hosanna. Uh, we're, we're planning a, a Hosanna yard sale. Like we used to do, years ago, we'd have it in the, in the uh, parking lot, and uh, I'll be kind of coordinating that, and I want to just make mention of some of the things. I, I do have flyers available. If anybody's interested, to come see me after the service. Um, since I'm at the back table by myself right now, we're going to use that table, and if you want to sign up and pick a spot, I have a little diagram, so it's of the, of the parking lot. And uh, so it's going to be April 27th, which is, this is a Saturday. It's going to be from 7 to 11. Um, it's going to be heavily advertised. So I'm going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to spend some money. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be in the Liditz Racket, in the Lancaster Papers, websites, everything that where you could put a, a yard sale. I'm going to advertise it there. So this way, if you do participate, you should do very well because people love to come to one spot and see all those different things. It's only, each parking spot is 9 feet by 18 feet. It's $10 for a spot. It's rain or shine. So we're not going to have a rain date because then it gets too confusing with trying to advertise it, and people don't know, oh, is it going to be held if it might rain or, what? you know. It's just going to be, and if, and if it rains and you don't want to do it, then you'll make a donation because there's no refunds. <laughs> oh, because I'm going to be spending money advertising it, so I don't, you know. So anyway, if you have any other questions, I hope you all will, will participate. Oh, I forgot. We got a special donut truck that's going to be available with uh, provided by Kevin and Joyce. It's called Donut Envy is the name of their business. And uh, they're just starting, so we want to support them, too. So at that day, we're going to have homemade donuts, fresh made right there, right? Right there. Right there. Wow. Right there. And then a uh, Coffee. And uh, and and lemonade yeah. and some hot chocolate even for the kiddies. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, and it's all free. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Give me the
2: mic. Huh. Thanks, Chris.
4: Come see me afterwards. Yeah, come
2: see Chris come afterwards. Tell more about Kevin's business now. Yeah, yeah. It'll only last one day. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, no, but we Donut Envy will be there, uh, and pretty much what he said, yeah, we'll have that. Um, and also, you're going to have a preview of Donut Envy. Deb said I should plug this. March 10th, March 10th, we're going to bring our donut truck out here, and we're going to invite everyone after the service um, to have a sample. And uh, we're not going to be charging for that one. Um <laughs> But we would like to, everyone who has helped to support us to get to this point, uh, this is just our way to say, hey, come and see what we're doing, and um, if you like it, great. If you don't, uh, I don't want to hear it. No, no. (laughs) I haven't found anyone that doesn't like it. It's just, it's terrible. Give me more, give me more. Uh, As you can see, I've been eating and sampling. So anyway, with that being said, I think we've covered pretty much everything, and it is time now for... Joanne and Tony. So
5: come on up.
6: I'm feeling envious. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be pizza envy. It's <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. You know, I thank you, Sean, and the worship team. That was just... Um, worship song selection this morning was really, really meaningful to me. But I was thinking during that last song, which is one of my favorites that we do here, that maybe the songwriter ought to have reversed that line at the end that we sing repeatedly. It, says, it talks about, you know, God, you give and take away. And what, the, what it's getting at is whether things are going well when we're filled or whether we feel like we're being empty, God is still good and God is still blessing us. But I wonder if it's the other way around is more like how we experience it that something is taken away. It's not always God. It's life. It's other people. But something is taken away. And then we experience this giving from God that just fills us, perhaps with gifts that are better and deeper, maybe sometimes not even immediately recognizable. But there is a giving that, uh, that, that always happens. And so we trust God to be that kind of good God. And I say that a little bit because uh, today I want to begin by... Telling you about something that God is giving us as a congregation that we didn't see coming, and he didn't take away anything to to provide it. It just came out of the blue. Mm -hmm. About six months or so ago, am I right about that? A little bit before that, sometime last summer, we were contacted by Liddes Christian School, uh, which is operating, I'm pointing this way, because they operate over at the Church of the Brethren, just around the corner from us. Uh, We contacted by them to see if there would be any interest in partnering with them. Now, first, a little bit about Lidditz Christian. They started here in Lidditz in 1978. They've been around 46 years. Spent most of that time up at the Grace Church up on um, that road. And,
7: <laughs> 501.
6: Yeah, which I will think of later. Um, and then a couple years ago, moved over to Lidditz Church and Brotherhood, working out fine, but they're full. They, they've, they've taken all available space, and there is a need in this community for Christian early childhood. Uh, care and education, and their, their program there was a Little Scrimp for Space, and we were around the corner, and they said, hey, would you guys be interested in working with us on this? You bet. Oh, my goodness, so much of this building is empty during the week, during those weekdays, particularly the kids' rooms. So we gave you a little hint about this about a month ago, but we've been talking with them for over six months. What can work here? Can we make this work? Is this something God has mm-hmm. given us to do? And I'm pleased to announce today that we signed the lease this week.
7: Yes, It is yes. going to
6: be a reality. And they are coming here and beginning their early childhood center operations here in August, probably August mm-hmm. 1 or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. What's this going to mean for us? Well, there will probably be some disruption along the way mm-hmm. and a few things that will need to be changed during the weekday hours, and we'll have to make some adjustments for that. It's also going to be some improvements because they need to do things for their own sake or because of zoning or state rules that are going to benefit us. We're going to get electronic locks on those front doors out there mm-hmm. because we need them. Mm-hmm. We're going to get 13 security cameras in this building because they need them. We're going to get fire doors out here on the, the going back to the hallways because that's a requirement for them. We have mm-hmm. access to all of this. Some other minor adjustments. They're also going to pass rent, which is going to be a nice benefit to the budget. More importantly, there's going to be this whole crowd of young parents, of young children, um, who are going to be here, where the kids are going to be hearing about Jesus. And parents who do not necessarily have a church home will find a hospitable group of God's people hosting their kids here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to do this with rooms that are already empty is just, just a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just—I've uh, been excited. We've been looking yeah. forward to telling you this for weeks. Uh, Litter's Christian went public with the news this week. If any of you saw that, we we did—we just signed the lease this week, so we didn't meet till Sunday to be able to tell you that. But want to let you know what's going on. We are having on March 10th when the donuts are here. Uh, we're going to have a little Q and A session. The leaders of Litter's Christian School will be here. We'll introduce them in the service just briefly. But they're going to hang around afterwards. We will not have class that day. We weren't going to have class that day anyway, and we're going to have a little Q and A after the service. If anybody have questions, what's this going to look like? Who are you guys? What do you believe? You know, anything like that. We're just going to sit there and talk it mm-hmm. through. There's a million little details. Some many of about 990,000 yet to have to be worked out in the next six months. Okay, mm-hmm. so be patient with us. But what's this going to mean for us? What's this going to look like? And we will just do that for you know, a half hour or whatever however long it takes on well, March 10th, and we'll be announcing that in the days ahead. Yeah. Did I miss anything?
7: Thanks, Tony. I don't think so. Yeah. Morning. Well, one day, uh, many, many, many years ago, when my son Jared was three or four years old, we were in the car heading from, this building wasn't built yet at that time. We were in a, brown, a brownstone building, a lit, Littles baptist Were we still his baptist then? Yes, we were. Broad and Orange Street. So anyway, we were in the car, Jared and I heading from this old brownstone church building toward Lancaster. So we would just come out this way. And we were waiting at the stop sign down here. If you go the back way, you know, the stop sign near the quarry. And we were waiting for the traffic, just an opening in traffic so that I could pull out. As we're... As we're You know, at this standstill, I heard a little voice from the car seat behind me. Mommy, how can God fit inside my heart? And of course, my heart opened wide in that moment as I realized what he was asking me. I looked in the rearview mirror, no cars behind me. So we just stayed still. We let the traffic pass by. And I said, oh my, Jared, That is a wonderful question. Isn't it wonderful that God is so big, but he's also invisible, you know, so he can become as small as he needs to be in order to fit into our hearts? Isn't that wonderful? And I looked in the rearview mirror, and, you know, he's smiling. So I kind of turned toward him, and I said, would you like to have Jesus come live inside your heart? Oh, yes, I would. He was very excited about that. And then I said, Well, then why don't we ask him to do that? Okay. So we just prayed very simply, and he just kind of followed me Jesus, please come to live inside my heart. Amen. And then I just paused a moment, and then I said, Is he there? <laughs> yes, he said, with this. Grin, and um, he hates it when I say this. I say, he was adorable. He had, like, blonde hair and these blue eyes, and he was just, and he's like. still adorable. I know. He always says, I was adorable. (laughs) Right. I know. So he says, yes, he's here. And I said, well, how do you know? And he said, my heart feels big, Mommy. And so did mine.
6: So how big is your God? Yeah. And how big is your heart? Interestingly, if we go to the Bible, people in the Old Testament would never have had this conversation because they never thought of God as being in their hearts. And they saw God like, like Jared did, this big, high, remote, distance, way up there somewhere. Awful lot of the language of the Old Testament is vertical. Yeah, you know, God is right. high up on his throne, yeah, just... elevated distance, and we look up to you know, see him, all that kind of stuff. You might be surprised. I don't know if you know this no one in the Bible was ever ever asked Jesus into their heart. Yep. Now, I'm not saying they didn't make a commitment and they didn't follow him and they didn't have a relationship. It's mm-hmm. just they didn't use that kind of language mm-hmm. to describe it. That isn't necessarily wrong, depending on what you mean by it, but it came much later in history. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of the ways that we in our culture talk about having this, this intimate relationship with a God who loves us. But They believed, they didn't know that kind of stuff, so they believed in the Old Testament that this distant, big, high God was primarily concerned with, well, his to-do list included running the cosmos, governing the affairs of the world, setting straight lesser gods, because most people still believe that there were other gods, but their God was bigger and more powerful, and, of course, taking care of the weather. We still believe some of that stuff about God. Mm -hmm. The theological word for this belief is transcendence. It's the idea that God is somehow beyond us. God is other than us. God is much more powerful than us. God is out there somewhere. And by the way, this is true. This is good news, actually. It is gospel that God is transcendent. The fact that we worship a powerful God who is a sovereign Lord, a God greater than all the forces of evil in the world, that's encouraging, isn't it? Particularly in moments like we were singing about this morning when we're feeling stressed, depressed, or distressed, or any other word that rhymes. We see this transcendent God showing up all over Scripture, as I said, particularly in the Old Testament and in the Psalms, where we see the people of God worshiping a God above all gods, a cosmic God who made the heavens and the earth, a God beyond human comprehension, And again, that's good news. We wouldn't want a God who's just like us, would we? There wouldn't be much advantage, much benefit to having a God like that.
7: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, the Old Testament story reveals just that. How the infinite God chose to walk with us every day at the very beginning, you know, with the humans, the first humans. And how God continued to come near to us, even when we couldn't perceive that he was there. The theological word for this nearness is imminence. It's the reality that God chooses to remain present within creation and with us. It's about how God is continuously involved and in sustaining our world and our lives in real and tangible ways. So like God's transcendence, God's imminence is true too, and this too is good news. It's gospel. See, the fact that we worship a compassionate God who does not leave us alone in our struggles, who understands our temptations, who's in the room when we need his presence, and who does not need to be summoned from heaven through some kinds of exacting, you know, exhausting prayers, that is wonderful indeed. And we see God's imminence throughout the entire biblical story. God walked with humanity in Eden went with us out of the garden into the world. God freed the Hebrew slaves, led them through the wilderness as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night, and gave them later on a a tabernacle, a tent in which to gather to worship him with him. They journeyed, uh, God journeyed with them through the promised land. God showed up in angelic or human form at, at different times, at special times, like The night Jacob wrestled with a man, no, an angel, no, God. (laughs) Or when three more than human persons visited with Abram and Sarah that day. Later, God's glorious presence regularly spent time with them in the temple in Jerusalem. And then, of course, in Jesus, God came to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us as one of us fully human while remaining fully divine, the theological word for that is incarnation, about the invisible becoming visible, the divine becoming human, flesh and blood. And then after Jesus' ministry and death and resurrection and ascension at Pentecost, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit came very close, in fact, came so close as to dwell within us, in our hearts, in every other part of our beings. The infinite God joined together with us in a life-changing relationship of love that is as intimate and as imminent as it gets. And this, too, is gospel.
6: As you were talking, Joanne, I was remembering a... um... An older man, now long deceased, in the first church I served almost 40 years ago. And he was the saint of the church. He taught the adult uh, class. and uh, But one day, he's up there, and he's just going off on a rant for a little bit, and he's talking about people that raise their hands in worship. Anybody here do that?
3: Mm-hmm.
6: And he denounced such people because what they were doing, he said, was trying to pull God down to their level. Hmm. And that was hmm. wrong on so many levels. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I think I remember us having a little conversation afterwards about how God already came right. down to our level, yeah. if we want to think <laughs> right. in terms of up and down, and Christ is with us. Mm-hmm. And it's so wonderful when it comes, I'm sorry for this little detour here, but this is coming. We talked about prayer, these exhaust, Joanne mentioned, the exhausting, exacting prayers. When I was younger, I was taught that if I asked for something from God and I didn't get it, it was because I prayed wrong. And when I was later in ministry, I worked alongside people who worked really, really hard at trying to get the prayer because if there wasn't enough passion, God's not going to hear you. It was, it was almost like those, those prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel who were just thinking that if they shout loud enough, they're going to wake up God and God might intervene. And there's nothing wrong with passion and prayer. I'm not denouncing any of that. I'm just saying, isn't it wonderful that God is easier than that? That it's not about us Mm -hmm. getting the formula right or getting the volume right, but God has already come to be with us. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's a little freebie. The idea that God is both of these things, transcendent and imminent, Mm -hmm. or we're using the phrase, the terms today, infinite and intimate. That God is both of these. That was hard to understand, both in biblical times and now. Most people to these days tend to see God is more one than the other. The image of God is big, distant, remote, or the image of God is close by my good friend, my co-pilot. And often it doesn't feel like terribly good news that God is only one or the other. What does feel better is when they come together. We found a quote that summed it up nicely. At times, God feels too distant to be loved. And at other times, God feels too near to be feared. And what they meant by feared was respected. You ever felt that way? Maybe just having one of those things as the paramount one make God a little less than? Mm-hmm. Well, what we're wondering today is if this is another example of yes and. Mm-hmm. Yes and, for those of you who've been here the last few weeks, know that that's our theme for the year. And we now finally have the banner. We had to order this thing four times before they got it right. We kept looking at it and saying, no, and send us another one. <laughs> but, uh, but they got it right. Yeah, that's our theme for the year. Last week, we introduced a series called God Is, and we're focused particularly here now for a few weeks on the character of God, that God is both just and merciful. Last week, they're not at opposite ends. God brings them together and makes them one inside of God's self. Mm-hmm. They're both true at the same time. And yes, it matters. Otherwise, we end up with a distorted, actually fairly uh, narrow, boxed in vision of God. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true today with God's infiniteness, infinity, and God's intimacy uh, with us. Mm-hmm. So, we mentioned a couple passages of scripture that go both in one direction or another. What does scripture say about these things coming together? Well, it's in there. Mm-hmm. There are places where God displays both attributes at the same time. Think about one of the most famous ones. What did the angel say on the night of Christ's birth? Glory to God in the highest. Yes, transcendence and, and... <laughs> peace on earth as well on those upon whom his goodness dwells.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Or here's a story we've mentioned a couple times here already since the beginning of the new year, the transfiguration of Christ before three of his disciples. In that moment, they saw the transcendent glory of God shining through in their human friend, this man of flesh and blood. He was imminent. They touched him. They knew him. He was their friend. They walked with him. And something, however, they got a glimpse of transcendence that they had not had before. Maybe John was writing about that moment when he said at the beginning of his gospel, He said, in the beginning was the Word. We don't have a good English word for this, but logos, this manifestation of God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Transcendence. He was with God in the beginning. And then, verse 14, he does the most startling thing here. And the Word became flesh, incarnation, Mm -hmm. and made his dwelling among us. And then he says, we have seen his glory. The flesh, the human Jesus, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Both of those pieces brought together in Christ. Eyewitness account. I've seen both pieces of it. I've experienced his imminence and I've seen his transcendence. I've seen his humanness. I've seen his glory. Paul said something similar to the Greek philosophers of Mars, Hills. Mars Hill, which is in Athens, surrounded by temples devoted to other gods. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, the universe, the cosmos, in other words. He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. This big, powerful God is controlling the affairs of the world to some degree. God did this, he said, so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him connect with him, know him, though he is not far from any one of us. Distant, powerful, cosmic God, not far, for in him we live and we move and we have our being individually, personally, intimately. That last line, by the way, is a quote from one of the Rome poets. In other words, Paul is pointing out that even the pagans could see, to some degree at least, that everything and everyone is held in God's infinite, intimate being. This is such gospel. Mm -hmm. Paul makes the point again. Here's my last one for at least now. This time to believers with unmistakable clarity. This is to the Colossians. He said, the Son is the image of the invisible God, Mm -hmm. the firstborn over all creation. The image, the way that we can see this transcendence out there. He is before all things, and in him all things to get, hold together. Yep. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. You hear that phrase being repeat, repeated? Everything comes together in him, whether things on earth that are imminent or things in heaven,
3: mm-hmm.
6: the things that are beyond our ability to see the transcendent part, things. Everything comes yeah. together in Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He brings them together. He's the beginning and the end of everything.
7: Yeah. So, yes, there's a lot of good news, right? There's a lot of gospel here. And there's also a lot of good theology <laughs> for a world that has believed quite a lot of bad theology, And that's one of the gifts of the time that we're living in right now is because many things are falling apart that need to so that the next season that God has for us, you know, as a world, as a church, can come into being. Um, One of the things that we need to be able to let pieces go of is our theology, Words about God. What do we say about God? What do we believe about God? Because we're human. We're ne- none of us, no matter what the tradition in Christianity, none of us has the full understanding. And so this is a wonderful time. And how that happens is in conversation, which is where we're going to get to in a moment. But that bad theology, right? I'm going to, just because it's not in my notes, but I feel like to say it, just to to remind us all, we read a lot back into the story of Jesus and into the scriptures, but all they knew and all the early church was grounded and rooted in was actually one theological statement and reality. He came, he died, he rose again. This man named Jesus was killed, and he really rose from the dead. And lots of people back then had lots of conversations in lots of different places, Jerusalem and Asia Minor Minor, and all all about that, and a lot of theology grew out of that. And now 2,000-plus years later, we need to continue to look at that and say, as God just continued to reveal Himself as the Spirit, you know, continues to dwell in us and reveal Christ to us. What do we know now that they didn't know then? What did they know? What did they know we need to move forward? Does that make sense? And so there's so much good news in the freedom to be able to just look at things like imminence and wait, what are we saying? Imminence. <laughs> infinite and intimate. All the theological words, sometimes that's what I need to let go of sometimes. But the point is, what difference does all of this make, right? For, for those inside the church, for those outside the church, how can this truth, this reality that God is both high and lifted up and living right here in us and among us, how can that truth become living reality in our lives so that the kingdom of God can be seen visibly in and through our lives and through the body of Christ in the world. Well, Jesus reveals a lot to us about what that looks like. Um, But he, he revealed a lot of this to the disciples through a very simple at least on the outside, a simple, infinite, yet intimate prayer that he taught the disciples. They said, how do we pray? They saw him praying very differently. How do we pray? And he gave them, he taught them a prayer that all of us need to return to again and again those who, of us who follow in his way and his truth in his life. It's a prayer that most of us know by heart. And today, we believe the Spirit's inviting us to make the words reality in our hearts, right? In every moment of our lives. As I read, as I'm going to read through the Lord's Prayer, what I'm inviting you to do in preparation for some shared conversation is just to slow down. Let's just slow down. Let's, what does someone say? Put your listening ears on. For us to listen, right, with our whole mind and heart and soul and strength, even with listening to our bodies, because our bodies actually, the Spirit speaks to us through our bodies. You know those times where you're okay, and then something happens, and then all of a sudden there's a word or Something, you see something, and your body shifts because it knows something that the mind doesn't understand yet. So to listen with our whole selves and notice, as we've been doing each week, notice just as we move through the Lord's Prayer, what in particular are you wanting, are you feeling, are you wondering about? What what specifically might the Spirit be wanting, inviting, and asking of you, of us? So why don't we just go ahead, take a moment. Just if you want to close your eyes, that's fine. Or if you just want to sit still, if you have things in your hands, just put them down and allow yourself to be aware of the presence of God, the nearness. The imminence of God. And as we move through this prayer, we're going to just notice this is also such a beautiful um, blending of our intimate and infinite God. So the prayer begins with our intimate God, our Father. who is infinite in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not simply far away, but also close and near on earth as it is in heaven. because you are intimately involved and sustaining every detail of our lives. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And simultaneously, also infinitely beyond and bigger than anything, than anyone who can harm us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Just notice, was there a particular word or phrase, a particular image, something in particular that you noticed about God being both infinite for you and intimate for you. Let's just take a few moments for you to to notice that and maybe just uh, hold it with God a little, you know, talk talk with the Spirit a little bit about it, and then we'll We'll open up for some conversation and see where the conversation goes. Okay. We have, as usual, a mic up here. If you put your hand up, then Jeff will bring a mic to you. And if, as we start, we don't want to get into kind of a habit that the extroverts are talking all the time first, or all the way through. Why don't we just pause here for a moment? Maybe one of you right now whose heart is beating, and you're more of an introvert, and you don't really want to talk in public, but think you have something that you would like to share. We'd love to just make some space for you to start us off, someone like that. And if not, the extroverts are always ready. Hi. Hi. I just want to say... I feel so lucky because I feel God's presence watching over me every day. It seems that since I lost my husband, and as I get older, I do stupid things all the time. You know, like go through a red light, and I have to pull my car over to the side and say a prayer, thanking God for watching over me and not having another car come in my way. Yeah. Yeah. it's. I'm just so thankful. Yeah. And can we notice too? Okay, so that's a lived experience of the infinite God. Yes. Because he's watching over from, Always. right? Always. Is there something you can say about how do you experience the God who's here with you, in you? Are there moments of, of that? What's that like for you? I don't know, I just, when I do something stupid or, you know, I I just can feel a relief. Okay. oh, thank you for watching over me. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Well, it's okay, because we're trying to find words for things that are difficult to describe. But did you notice what you did with your body?
3: Yes. Here.
7: Yes. It's, you You are feeling something here. Yes. 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 So the gratitude that wells up inside of you? Yes. The prayer that's coming out of you? Definitely. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. And the thing is, too, we, we're all often aware, like Tony said earlier, of one or the other. But it, it's just taking the moment, isn't it, to just stop for a moment and say, yes, he is watching over me. I do have a God who's that big who can protect me through a red light. And if I stop, I can hear. Oh, and this is how I experience relationship intimacy right here in my heart. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Who else? Here. There's one.
8: So I got stuck at the first two words, oh. our father. Mm-hmm. And as I thought about the word our It's a collective my. If each one of us says my, it's all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, When we say my, there's an ownership there. There's a connection. There's an intimacy there. I think about when I lived in Greece for a year and a half. One of the terms that the Greeks would use is is, uh, they might say your name. And, and recognizing a connection, like I, I might say, Joanne Moo, you know, my close friend, my dear one. So, so I think when Jesus was teaching our Father, mm. he was speaking to each one of us about the deep, intimate connection that each one of us is invited to.
7: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks. a little different, right? These seeming opposites that we're looking at this year. Takes a little bit to wrap our, our minds around these. Yes. Yep.
5: I just wanted to share about the first part, also our Father, and also how the kingdom comes. Uh-huh. If he's in heaven and the kingdom comes, how do I firsthand experience that? you know we all have our daily lives mm-hmm. what is it is it your work is it the next thing that's a concern for you is there obstacles around you is it something that you've caused mm-hmm. is it something that other one others seem to be causing to you mm-hmm. and your first thought's give you may give you apprehension or you're quick to come up with a remedy in the midst of it all, are you asking the Lord, are you in this? Are you in this? Can I wait an hour? Can I wait two hours? Until I finally know, I'm seeing things differently. I'm seeing things different in, in the conflict or the people that are involved in it or the test that I have to take, the classroom that I'm in, the, the person that might confront me in a certain way. If I can find that, that's where the kingdom is. If He is with me, not yeah. me against them or me achieving something, but that He is in the midst of it, that's kingdom.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: And it also takes humility to be able to ask that and to wait upon that time.
7: Yeah, that it's an us, or a we, rather than an I. We're yes. a we. Are we with the Spirit who's dwelling within us, whom we're one with? Are we with the Trinity? We're now seated in heavenly places, you know. that's It's a both and. Jesus was, he didn't ascend himself. He was ascended. In other words, you know, the Father, the Trinity, he's, whatever that means. But he's right now seated in heavenly places with a human body. With a resurrected, transformed human body, which is why Paul could say we are now seated in heavenly places in the Trinity, in Christ. He took our humanity. And then the Pentecost part is what closes, if there's distance, it's what closes that distance, right? Because he's resurrected. Forty days later, he ascends. Ten days after that, the Spirit comes at Pentecost, fire. On the head. It moves down in, indwelling Holy Spirit. So we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and Christ is seated in earthly places in us. Boing, I mean, it's like it's mind blowing the reality. And Oh my word. Just like medieval Christianity. I mean, they meant well in so many ways, but really this whole, we're wretched worms. We're, you know, th- this earth is something because talking about the kingdom. How does the kingdom come? No, it, do, it uh, seriously, it's this sense of the, well, it can't come here. Because we have to self-flagellate ourselves and beat our bodies into submission because any desire we have is going to lead us into sin. And all of that, that's, is that really why Jesus died? No, it's this, he, how does the kingdom come? It comes through the bridging of that gap, the coming of the spirit and the recognition that we're not wretched worms. We are one with the infinite, intimate God. And it's mystery, isn't it? But it's a very good and different theology. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, that's just, that's like, that particular reality is going to blow my mind from now into eternity when I'm sure that Jesus is going to say, well, you got some of that right. Let me show you some of the other stuff. It's just... Mind-blowing to me, and it's not anything that a human would think of. So when we read, you know, the story of Jesus and the gospel itself, it's not anything that humans would come up with because we're so busy thinking God is so far out there and so different from us, and he's so far, far away, and like Zeus, he's throwing thunderbolts or wanting to. He's watching and scanning to catch people doing things wrong. Actually, no, right? Right? So there you go. Okay, I'll stop talking. You're supposed to be talking, but it's a conversation. And feel, there's, a, there's a hand back there. And just feel free, you know, as we move along in this, we don't, well, we don't know how long we'll be doing this, but as long as we sense the Spirit wants us to, feel free to talk to each other too. You know, you don't have to always just be talking to us. If someone says something and you want to respond to it, you can talk to them.
9: Well, hey, Hi Jeff, I I, I want to respond.
7: Okay, so. and then you could go Sorry. back there to Chris. I, yeah,
9: yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I have the mic and, <laughs> and actually speak with it. Um, but it, the whole okay, the the thing that that has always hit me the most with the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. since I was a little kid was the the trespasses versus debtors, debtors thing. Yeah. Um, I I grew up with trespasses. And I was completely flummoxed the first time I heard somebody say debtors and debts and yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah.
3: Um,
9: but I, I, was, I was thinking about that just now. And I, I really prefer trespasses for one simple reason.
3: Mm-hmm.
9: And that is because if, if, if you trespass or have somebody trespass against you, that is an action that you have taken. That is something that you have done versus uh debtor. Yeah. That is something that you are. And and that feels to fit more in that wretched mm-hmm. worm, lowly it's, thing.
7: Yes. Yeah. Um, like debtor, like we're all going to go to debtor's prison. Yeah. Like they used yeah. to do. Yeah.
9: Versus. Okay. Yeah. I've done bad things.
7: i misstepped. I've, yeah,
9: I have put my feet where they haven't supposed to have been. Yeah. Um, and I can be truly sorry and repent, remorseful about that, yeah. versus being a debtor, which may or may not be something that I have control over. Yeah. So I, I, I like that that sense of agency.
7: Yes. Does it connect to infinite and intimate, to transcendence and imminence at all for you? Just wondering.
9: That's a good question. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't considered that. Um, yeah, I I think that whole the the debtor feeling has puts it feels like there's a barrier there in the intimacy
3: mm-hmm.
9: with that, yeah. like oh you're a debtor, I don't want to have anything to do with you because you're yeah. that type of person. Yes. yeah, yeah. Versus you're somebody who's screwed up from time to time. Yeah. That's yeah. that's something that feels closer.
7: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, thank you. He's a gummy worm, he said. He's a gummy worm.
9: Your microphone doesn't seem to be working right, Tony. I'm yeah. going to pass the mic here to Chris, <laughs> and I'm going to check out your mic.
7: Yeah, I'm going to say, too, I, I agree. I, I prefer the translation with trespasses in it, but it's, Actually, Tony's one that put, was putting the scripture in the message, so I, I'm good to go with the, with the one he chose. Yeah.
4: When we were just praying the Lord's Prayer, something that stuck out to me uh, was deliver us from evil. Yeah. And uh, I just got back from Florida, and I, I do attend a church in Florida when I'm down there. And in this particular church, it's a Presbyterian church, I had a divine intervention probably about three years ago, and it brought my family back together with my daughter in that situation that was going right. on, Right. and I felt the the Holy Spirit just entered me and told, told me what to do, I did it, and my daughter was back in my life. That aside, this church is special to me for that reason, and the pastor, the last sermon I heard him give, had to do on the end times,
3: mm-hmm.
4: the book of Revelation, the tribulation, and those things that are to come. And I look at our world the way it is right now. It's like it's all upside down. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes sense mm-hmm. according to belief, a uh, moral belief of what things should be.
0: Mm-hmm. Things
4: are not that way. And the things that just happened with Israel and, and, and the timing of all that, you know, nobody knows when the end is going to come. But I, I, I think a lot of times we don't talk enough about what that might look like because it's gonna it's gonna take us all by surprise when that day comes, and I was just wondering if that's something a series or something that you and Tony can maybe. <laughs> I know it's a hard subject, and, and, and
7: don't put us on the spot in front of everybody. <laughs> well, no,
4: <laughs> I'm just saying. When I heard this piss, I actually uh, recorded. I, a, I haven't listened I to it. I did a class on it
6: about eighteen months ago, and and um, had was successful. Most everybody was confused by the end. <laughs>
4: Anyway, that was something I would find. It's a
7: good question. I will not, and here's, it. And what do they say, never say never? But I have said never for as long as I've been up here, which is a quarter of a, more than a quarter of a century. I will not preach on the book of Revelation. I will take things and refer to it because of what's been done with it. Historically, in a nutshell, there's like four different ways that the book of Revelation has been interpreted. Um, If you think of the scriptures, because back in the the day, Paul thought, and the others, they all thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And so talking about these are the end of days and all of that, part of it is it's the end of the old covenant. And so the New Testament also talks about Antichrist is already in the world back then. Right. They had a Roman emperor and they had people who were being killed in the Colosseum and elsewhere. It's the mystery of evil and how there's, so one is, you know, what they were believing in the first century and which was modified then because it became apparent as that generation was dying, we had the timing off. There are another interpretation is that it's already fulfilled. It's called the preterist interpretation. It's a lot of merit to that one too. That when Roman Emperor Titus in 70 A.D. marched into Jerusalem as the armies were coming in to capture the city, um, and Jesus prophesied that the temple was going to be destroyed, and you know, all of, he, he marched in and everything happened that is symbolically told in that, in the book of Revelation. It happened then in 70 AD, everything, including like the abomination of desolation. They went into the temple, they destroyed everything. They took away the, some of the gold, the gold and the articles from the holy place. And they, they slaughtered and sacrificed pigs the altar
4: see I know you can't predict right. the end of time so right I'm not asking you to do that
7: no no but no what I'm saying I'm is just a lot saying... of people
4: have no idea of what the book of Revelation even says
7: but well like the... we could do a series where we talk about the four because the other one is okay so it, it was the end of the old covenant one two it's the it's all fulfilled Third, Tony's going to have to help me, uh, it is a repeating pattern meant to give hope because it's a letter written to Christians of that time who were being persecuted as well as the rest of us, but it's a story of how evil rises up and does damage and then is eventually overcome. And if you look through history, you can see how many, like Hitler is one, Stalin's millions of people being killed. There they are, right, all the way through. Um, and I can't remember the fourth one.
6: That it is all metaphoric.
7: That, oh, that it's all symbolic, right, and it's not. All to say is Jesus, Jesus said he's coming back. He also said no one knows the, time, the day or the hour. Why would that be if it's so important? And that's the last part of this conversation. I'll say it in this conversation. And this is just me personally speaking. My sense of the experience of Christians. So many either want to go back to Genesis and kind of camp out there and try to figure out if it was seven literal days or if it's eons or like, you know, all of that. Nothing wrong with that. It's just that it takes the focus back to a time when we, we, no human being was here, and we can't know with certainty. We can just have our sense or our belief. Or so many go, especially in hard times historically, right, when things are really, really bad, then there's a real focus to look in, to try to look into the future using the book of Revelation. Both of those movements, again, nothing wrong with it, but what does it do? It takes us out of the present moment. It has us spending our time focusing on what either has happened in the past or what will happen in the future. If Jesus wanted us to do that, he would have told us to do that. He would have explained some of this stuff. He would have given us the day and the hour when I think, and you, if this is part of a conversation, you feel free to disagree with me, but I think part of what the Lord's Prayer is inviting us to is live in this moment. Because if we are just in relationship with Christ, trying our best to discern and walk in the Spirit, and what, what is it in Micah? Love, do justice, love, walk humbly with your God. We're doing that moment by moment. What do we have to be afraid of? We'll live moment by moment by moment until whenever the end comes, we step over and we just continue. Hopefully, we're going to continue the life that we're already living here on earth as it is in heaven. How does the kingdom come? How does the kingdom come? (coughs) Here, there, in you. So are there questions? Can we talk about it? Maybe Tony will.
4: <laughs> See, I, I wasn't, I, I, think, I, I think we, I, it actually missed the point. Yeah. I'm not looking for the academic taking apart part of, of Revelation. Mm-hmm. I'm talking more about what you just said. Right. How do we know? In the moment. But people need to feel a little sense, time, like, all right, well, when is that moment? We don't know when that moment's coming. Mm-hmm. Right. So how should we be living our lives now? Yes. So that when that first tribulation comes, if that's the way it's gonna happen, which it does talk about that, right? You're on that boat.
7: Yeah. How how are you living?
4: I try I try to do good each day.
7: hmm
4: I try to be better each day.
7: Mm-hmm. The next right thing. And,
4: and I and I and I and I feel like I need to talk about some of these things with my family. Yeah. Because Again, I started talking, and I don't think they know. they never even heard that word. Mm -hmm. Not not all of them. I'm just saying. Right. That's why I just felt there might be something that would benefit people. And I'm sorry I talked too much.
7: No, no. Please don't be sorry. That is a conversation that we need to have for a lot of reasons. I think you're asking it out of a heart that wants to be living now in the world in a way that makes a difference. And wants the church and Christians to be doing that um, we need to have that larger conversation, but part of it is we need to also understand historically so we can offer different interpretations and that this is not literal this is not literal there's lots of other things that we can say it's got it's not completely like'm going <laughs> to a, yeah, anyway, I, we've said enough about it, you, but don't, don't apologize. Yeah, okay, hands are going up now.
6: <coughs> and yeah. we have about two minutes.
7: <gasps> no, we don't. Okay, so, we'll give five max.
6: Okay. if I can add just 30 seconds while you're choosing yeah. here. Um, I think the beautiful thing about the book of Revelation, regardless of how you interpret it, is that we see this infinite God who is going to make all things work out somehow yep. in the end. Yep. It's a happy book. It's gospel, however we understand it. Mm-hmm. And working things out means the fulfillment of his love to each of us yes. as individuals.
3: Mm-hmm. That's the
6: intimate part. So both of those pieces are there in that book, however we interpret it. And that's the good
7: news. Yes. It is gospel. Yeah.
10: So I was going to pick up on the th- the thing that Rick noticed about the hour mm-hmm. uh, being plural, but I was going to go a little different direction with it because the us um, word that appears f- frequently is also plural. And then, uh, Jeff, what you said about trespasses, um, so many of these things are relational, um, relational things. Your story about um, Jared mm-hmm. and asking Jesus into his heart, and then Tony saying that expression is something that is not actually in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, is kind of interesting in terms of maybe the the trajectory of our own personal lives, that at some point that seems to be the important thing. The Uh, uh, you know, there was a song coming back into my head. I forget what it was right now. But as I get older, the relational things seem to be more important. And where Jesus says, um, the kingdom of God is um, in the midst of you. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that, you can lean into that either on the personal level, or in the midst of us, in terms of all of our relationships. And mm-hmm. so, the that's that's I think the place where I find it more more compelling now is that God in term or the kingdom of God in the relational aspects of our lives. Yeah.
7: Yes. Yeah. Thanks, John. Um, okay. Um, I thought I saw one up. Okay. Quick. And then we'll, we'll pray and we'll, yeah.
11: I was reminded today of um, a time back in our church history, Hosanna's history, back in the mid-'80s where the men got together early in the morning Mm -hmm. And we were encouraged to pray, and we were encouraged to use the Lord's Prayer as a starting point. And for me, the Lord's Prayer was, uh, it offered jumping off places Mm -hmm. with each of the segments of it. And whether it's um, lead us not into temptation, whether it's... uh, Our Father who art in heaven, um, give us this day our daily bread. It was the infinite part of God that took me to those places to meditate on that and bring those areas to an intimate, personal perspective to me that I gave pause to, considered and then examined my life, and then potentially saw maybe a new direction that I could follow. And that was the infinite and intimacy to me that the Lord's Prayer brings.
7: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay, one back there somewhere. (laughs) Oh, Ah. I had given up. (laughs) (laughs) Start with an introvert and end with one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get a reputation for extrovert. (laughs) Uh, um, I was really distracted through the reading, and it mirrors, I think, my daily distractions, which is um, the emotional and physical needs of of people in my
0: life, Mm. and it prevents me from having that intimate
7: experience very often.
3: Yeah.
7: And it reminded me of last week with the woman who was accused because all that energy had to be towards everybody else's emotional need of finding her guilty. And um, Mm -hmm. she did get that moment in the end, but it just still speaks to me. Why go through all that when I could just, I don't know how yet. Yeah but to disregard those external pulls. Yeah, so someone else had said about barriers or something in the way. And it's important in a conversation like this, this is coming up, for us to be noticing what what is it that gets in the way? What is it that we might let go of so that we can experience deeper intimacy? Wow, thank you, everyone. Thank you. You can.
6: What I was hearing here was mostly reflections on the prayer. And as one of you said, there were some jumping off places in certain f- phrases. Our Father is plural, as are the other pronouns in this prayer. They're pointing to the intimate connection we're each invited to individually and invited to together. And the good news here is that we are not worms, we are family. Thy kingdom come, not just in heaven. And it's at that moment we realize that God is here with us in the midst of us, plural, and then we see things differently. We see it through a kingdom lens, which gives us, if we have, the humility to wait and to see that we are sealed with Christ. Forgive me my trespasses. I take responsibility for what I've done, but I'm still loved by this intimate, forgiving God. Deliver me from evil. I feel lucky. God's watching over me even when I feel stupid.
3: <laughs>
6: God rescues me. God restores things. Mm-hmm. God is a God of the past and the present and the future.
11: Mm-hmm. And
6: so there is a new direction to follow when we are aware of these things. Yes. Yep. And I have a little poem for you about that new direction to follow. We found this online. Once upon a time, there was a girl, and she was not princess. Nobody famous or special. Just a girl. And God said to her, may I dwell in you? And she said, yes. And she made a space within herself for the infinite to dwell. And the world changed. Mm -hmm. Today, there is only you, plural. Nobody famous or special. But God is asking, may I dwell in you? Say yes and the world will be changed.
7: So let's pray. O most infinite God, creator of sun and moon, of river and sky, of mothers and fathers and infants that cry, giver of life and all that is given in this place that is earth, in the realm that is heaven, maker of mountains, of forests and streams, seen in the faces of children, in dreams, reckoned by all as master and king, O most infinite God, it's to you that we bring all of our treasures, of silver and gold, all of our pleasures, our secrets untold, amassed from the start with you as my goal, O beat of my heart, and balm to my soul.
6: And now in closing, let us pray together.
7: The Mm -hmm. words
6: on the screen here. Infinite God, beyond, beyond me, me in, in whom I live and, live and move and have, and have my being.
7: Intimate God,
6: beside me, you, you are, are always, always with me. me. Inner, Inner God, being me, I am
7: the, the light of the, of the world in you. you. Yes. Yes.
6: Yes. And it is so. Let's go make our infinite, intimate God we in the world this week. Yeah. through our lives, individually and together. Thanks for being you.
7: Yeah, thank you, guys. Stay for happy food. And girls. <laughs>